rare form today, but he's certainly been in some type of form. As soon as he walked in, there was no, hey, happy to see you. There was no you know, shoulder bump, which Fiddy has been giving us over the last month and a half or so. He's tried to make that a tradition with the show, which I'm here for. It's fine. Fiddy, as soon as he walked into the fishbowl, pre-show meetings and all of that, he was spewing about North Carolina football. He told you about it. He tweeted that, hey, get to your radios from 12 to 3 because I will be going to the foul line on this North Carolina loss to Virginia, and now we're about to give him the platform once again. It has been a very big Josh Fitty Marlowe show to this point. Oh, no doubt about it. He's been the star today, and, you know, he just, uh, that pain sometimes, it's like a great artist, man. It makes some of their best albums or paintings or whatever it is after some pain. And I think Fitty today, this performance is definitely him, but I think just the pain and suffering he went through on Saturday night is what has spurred this uh, magnificent achievement of him today. This is what I want to know from the text line. If MC Fitty put out an album because of all the pain and he wanted to express himself, what would that album be? I want to hear some creativity here. Bring in the loss to Virginia, the anger against Mac Brown. What would MC Fitty's album be because of the loss to Virginia and the tracks that we heard from it? Like, that's what I want to know. 704-570-9610. We can think on it a little bit, but everybody else can write in 704-570-9610. You have anything at the top of the dome or did you want to move on? I nominate Broken Record because, you know, with Carolina, it seems to be the same thing all the time. Okay. Time to get good. Go scratch yourself. Maybe that too. Go, go scratch yourself, North Carolina. <laughs> All right, let's move on. We will give more airtime to one Fitty Marlowe. Oh, you missed line. some shroppy beats, too, while you were gone. We got oh. two more. They were fire, too. Yeah, one of them was. The other one left a lot to be desired. Okay. Did you agree with that <laughs> assessment? By, no, I thought both were fire. And I'm not okay. just telling them that because that's my man. I thought both of them were fire. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm glad, he, I'm glad he brought some beats to the airwaves, man. I asked him to do it after last weekend, but he didn't do it. And now I'm glad he was able to do it this time when he filled in. So <laughs> yeah. there you go. All right, it's the Live Wire with Fitty. Live Wire's on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. west. Up north to the down south. Live Wire's connect. Not going to lie to you guys. Um, I've got the second foul line pulled up just in case I get riled up again and got to go for a second take because, uh, yeah, I still... I still haven't calmed down, but uh, let's move on. Let's work in some Frank Reich sound because the head coach of the Carolina Panthers, for now, met with the media earlier today, and he said Thomas Brown will not be micromanaged as he transitions into being the Panthers' full-time play caller. With every day, I feel better. You know, I feel great about it. So um, Thomas is ready. We'll, it's, it'll be an organic thing. There's still going to be a lot of collaboration. Thomas is going to be in charge. It's not going to be micromanaged. Um, the staff will contribute like they do, but Thomas will be, you know, his personality, his decision-making will be based on, you know, will be the play-by-play decisions. Uh, you know, what we do as a game plan, game planning process, that will still stay the same as it's been. So with Thomas Brown having, you know, full power over this, I, I didn't expect anything else from Frank Reich. I expected him to give Thomas Brown all of the responsibility they would come together with a game plan coming into the game, but whoever was calling plays at that moment, I didn't think Frank Reich would say, hey, I heavily suggest this play, and then if he didn't do it, he would be reprimanded afterwards. I never expected that to come from Frank Reich, and it does seem like we're really going to get 
the real Thomas Brown with whatever that offense is going to look like against the Houston Texans as long as they're able to fine-tune it. So it starts against Houston, and then we'll get to see what Thomas Brown is all about as the season goes on. I mean, that's the single biggest storyline coming into this game. I mean, whether you want to go with C.J. Stroud versus Bryce Young, but also Thomas Brown, what is this offense going to look like? Is it going to be different? I keep saying it over and over again. What are going to be the four to five plays in this game where we see the difference? Uh, with Thomas Brown and what he brings to the table, the expectations are very high at this point. Not that nobody thinks they're going to go out and not that anybody thinks they're going to go out and drop a 40 burger, but uh, people are definitely going to want to see a difference because if you come out and the play calling is in the same vein, then it was a waste of time. And that's going to be the number one thing I'm looking forward to this week. What else you got, Fitty? If you hear this sound, that's going to be Dave Tepper floating in to do the micromanaging stuff. That's the sound you made when uh, Dave was at the press conference and he floated in to talk off the side. That's right. Does Thomas Brown have to meet with 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 Dave Tepper like like Frank Reich had to do? Or now, since he's no longer calling plays, you know, is 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 Tepper's meddling going to come to an end? Another cut from Frank Reich. He talked about the uh, the mental and physical state of his quarterback after an 0-6 start in the NFL. Zero question in my mind about Bryce Young's toughness. Um, I didn't question it in the draft process just because of the way he handled himself in his college career. But I can just tell you this, six games into it, physical and mental toughness, he checks that box big time. You know, And I just think that's going to continue to grow and demonstrate itself. I mean... I'm sure he's never experienced anything like an 0-6 start, but the way he's handled that, the resolve and the determination you can see in his eyes and you can feel in his demeanor um, is the way that you would expect uh, someone with his toughness and his competitiveness to handle it. How much pressure does Bryce Young have in this game against the Texans after the bye week? Uh, I think from the outside world, a lot, because I think that, again, you've had the bye week to prepare. you got a new offensive coordinator, but you're going up against your contemporary that is playing awesome football and has his team on a winning track. And so I think that for him, you being the top pick of the draft and you going ahead of him, well, that's always going to elicit uh, big opinions from people because you're being outplayed by a guy that was picked under you. And so people are going to question, should said player have been the pick at number one over you. So there's a lot on the line to me for him uh, this week when you talk about a perception standpoint. Yeah, after the bye for both of these guys, by the way, Houston did not play this weekend either. So both of these players coming in after the bye to see if they can get another win for Houston's sake, just a first win for Carolina's sake. I think you're right, though. And Thomas Brown having this bye week to really prepare the offense for Bryce. Hopefully they can get on the same page right away. And Houston Texans, their defense, it's been very good. And I didn't expect it to be as good as it has been performing. But D'Amico Ryan's your head coach, defensive guy and what they've been able to do offensively. Certainly a surprise, but C.J. Stroud only having one interception so far, and it came in this last game. Funny enough, they would actually force a fumble on that interception, and they would get the ball right back. So not even an impactful interception, if you will. But we'll see what Bryce Young is able to do against a guy that went second and is on pace to win Rookie of the Year this year. I mean, even over a guy like Bajan Robinson, who was the odds-on favorite because of the success that we've seen from rookie running backs, it's C.J. Stroud that's on pace to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. And Bryce Young, even if it's not his fault, not anywhere close to winning that award. What else do you have, Fiddy? Well, Walker, you're not you're not wearing a tank top, and you're not I in know, here smoking a cigar against all of our wills. I would have gladly gotten 
secondhand smoke from you smoking a cigar <laughs> after you beat ECU over the weekend. And have you noticed that uh, salty pirate fan or whatever that dude's text the, that text name is? Nowhere to be found after talking all that smoke about his bad ECU team. Yes. <laughs> Going to beat your bad Charlotte team. That did not happen. Charlotte gets the dub on the road in G Vegas. And here's what Biff Pogey had to say about beating their in-state rival. I'm very thankful to God. I was praying a lot. The kids played great. I thought the coaches did great. We had a good plan on offense. Our defense is spectacular. You know, if we don't fumble the ball down here, they don't score. Uh, they don't come close to scoring. So I'm very happy with our defense. You know, Brian Osborne and the kids on defense and coaches on defense. Great job. I thought Mike Mike Miller did a heck of a job. And, you know, we got a guy at quarterback now we're going to settle on. And he makes some mistakes, but we'll coach those out of him. And right now he's, he's dynamic as heck. And, um, and, hey, look, we beat supposedly our in-state rival, right? Got the first uh, win in this series. And it's our the school's first ever American Conference victory. So can't be any better than that. They got a quarterback in Charlotte. He scored a whopping 10 points on Saturday. Walker <laughs> Mayo. Are you back on the bowl train for the 49ers? Mm, yes, sir. I am back on the bowl <laughs> game. I'm back on the bowl train. <laughs> Jalen Jones going to lead us to the promised land after that win against DCU. I told you against Navy is when I wanted to see Charlotte be competitive and win that game. It did not happen. They did not score a single point. So maybe just a little delayed gratification here. Just postpone what I said a week later. And now I'm happy to see Charlotte competing. I don't know if I fully agree with the good plan on offense. I don't know if I fully agree about just how crazy dynamic Jalen Jones is, but I do understand why they're rolling with Jalen Jones the rest of the way. If Ivy isn't able to complete passes at a high rate, then he doesn't bring to you what Jalen Jones does in the run game. And you need to manufacture some yardage, especially if Darrell Robinson is not going to be available who is the guy that I thought was going to be the real key to this offensive success if they had any. So I'm happy that they're rolling with Jalen Jones. I'm happy that they got the win. We'll see if they're able to carry any kind of momentum, but clearly offense still a problem. Defense, though, defense, it is real. They allowed a couple big plays against Navy. Here they played well enough for Charlotte to be able to squeak by with just 10 points. So defense is going to hold them in a lot of these games, Wes, and it's just a matter of whether Jalen Jones can make enough plays at quarterback. Yeah, and a win is a win, but you still got to take away some of these facts. The fact that Jalen Jones has had four games over 60% passing, but his rushing total of 127 yards equaled East Carolina's total offense. Okay, so when you look at it from that perspective, that was the fewest allowed in Charlotte 49ers history. They forced seven, three and outs. They forced 20 points in the last Two games and Ayabi Oki Anoma. He's got five sacks now, and he's tied for the third most in a single season by 49ers. So there are some positives to take away from this football game uh, for the Charlotte 49ers. You got to be happy for them, and I would have loved to have seen uh, them smoking those cigars because Biff said that everybody, staff, everybody was going to get a cigar, and he said they were going to smoke the hell out of them like they did on the field against East Carolina. But, man, that was a tough watch uh, to look at that football <laughs> game with, with the lack of offense with these two uh, with these two squads, man. But kudos. They got the win, and hopefully you never know what that will spark in a team changing morale with a victory like that. You know when their next game is. 
on ESPN2. Okay. Friday, 7.30 kickoff against FAU. At home, by the way. All right. Going to be there. Going to be cheering on. If they win that game, I'll remember to bring my cutoff. Are you going to wear the question, though, is because you didn't do it today, are you going to wear a cutoff to the game regardless of how chilly it might be? Because it's going to be a great weekend. We're getting up into the 80s as the weekend comes, so you should be okay. I think you should wear it to the game with the cigar pregame picture. Definitely want to bring that. Yeah, right after the show on Friday. Just go straight to the tailgate, cigar in hand, cut off wearing, ready to go, watching Jalen Jones, who is now my quarterback. Yeah. And then postgame, if they win, another picture with another cigar. Your lungs will probably be done, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, two cigars. Fool, buddy. Uh, that's too much to celebrate. I'm going to be I'm gonna be gassed taking all of those photos. That'll do it for the live wire. We'll talk a little more about the Thomas Brown era. How excited are we for it? And what do we expect against Houston? It's coming up next. Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Welcome back, folks. One more segment to go, but welcome in to the halfway point of the 2 o'clock hour on the Weston Walker Show. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ on a football Monday, 704-570-9610 is that text line. So keep them coming. All right. So when we talk about the Carolina Panthers coming off of the bye week, taking on the Houston Texans and uh, a lot of people are going to point to the quarterback matchup and a lot of people are going to look at Thomas Brown. Now the Thomas Brown era has officially begun. We wondered when it was going to begin. And uh, I guess we would all be honest here and say that we did not think it was going to start this soon. Um, a lot of people thought and walk. I'd love to get your thoughts on this. When did you think that this was going to happen? I I'm not sure it was going to happen this year. I didn't think it was. I thought so you for, thought it was going to maybe hand it off to him after this season to start next year off. Th- there are a couple of, of fans that said Frank Reich had indicated this was going to happen at some point. I didn't think that was going to happen this year. I think in Frank Reich's mind, he was going to hand over play calling maybe next season. That's what I thought might happen. But this is part of the reason that you hire Frank Reich. Mm-hmm. If he was the offensive mind, and I don't know if we ever really should have been using QB guru, if you will, but someone that clearly had had success with other quarterbacks, whether it be with Philadelphia, whether it be with the Chargers or the Colts, you had success and players had played their best football with you as their coach, which I think says a lot. So with Frank Reich coming over and being the play caller in Indianapolis for so long, that was part of the reason I thought you hired him. Mm-hmm. So to hand over the play calling duties to Thomas Brown this early, to me, that says this did not go according to plan, which of course, it's not like this grand reveal. Owen six was never a part of the plan. Even if you thought it might take a little while for Carolina to compete. Owen six, I didn't see anybody saying they're going to be winless heading into the bye. So I didn't think it was going to happen this soon and maybe not even this season, Wes. Yeah, and so when you look at this team, 24th right now in the NFL, 294.7 yards per game. They're down from 306 last year. When you look at the uh, yards per play on the Carolina Panthers, 30th in the NFL, down from 5.3 last year to 4.4. 
And then when you look at team quarterback sack per game, the Carolina Panthers come in at 26, giving up a sack more than what they did last year, 2022, giving up 2.1 sacks this year, 3.2. And so I bring up these key statistics to look at and say, is Thomas Brown really being put in a situation for success? Like, And I know if you're Thomas Brown, you're excited to be able to get the call at any point, and you can look at it two ways. Is this a challenge that you could bring it in, and then we'll have these comparisons that after the bye week they did this, this, and this improved, and that improved, and that improved. But do we feel like that he's really being put in a situation for success? Because if you ask me, I would say no. Uh, I think that when you look at the numbers on this offense and what he's inheriting – what is going to improve overnight? And so it's like, okay, is the offensive line suddenly going to get better overnight to where Icky's going to become the guy that we thought he would? And then this offensive line is just going to get solid across the board and begin to play maybe not dominant football, but at least solid, respectable football. Are there going to be any other receivers besides Adam Thielen that's going to step up and put up the numbers that you need? Is there going to be a guy that he's going to be able to scheme to be able to get him in better positions. You and I talked about this as well. Is there anything that he's been hiding or anything that he and Frank Reich have decided to keep under wraps until he becomes the primary play caller? Because I would feel like if if he had some things up his sleeves that were that good, they would have implemented them already. And so that's just my speculation. You hate to see a guy get put in a situation like this where you come in, you're not the offensive coordinator from the jump, even though in theory that's a part of your title. Yeah, you collaborate, but we feel like that Frank Reich is the main cog in, in calling the plays and determining what's going to go in, what's going to go out. Now you get it when everything is in shambles, and it just seems like he's been put in a very tough spot. No no doubt about it. I, that, that's why we even thought, for Thomas Brown's sake, maybe it's not smart to have him become the play caller because he's not set up for success. If you have a rookie quarterback that is throwing to a wide receiving core that is maybe the worst in the league, it probably is the worst in the league, and we thought about that coming into the regular season. I thought that was way too harsh of a ranking. I was wrong on that. If you have him dead last, you're justified because outside Adam Thielen, nobody else is producing for you on any kind of consistent basis in the past game. So if it's not Adam Thielen, then nobody else is going to be able to produce for you. If you have that bad of a passing game with a rookie QB, and then you get to, in my opinion, even with the receiving core, still the biggest problem, which is your interior pass protection. It's not like the tackles have been phenomenal. But the weak part of that offensive line and pass protection, it's the interior. You had Chandler Savala play, and he was the worst guard in football. You're trying to find out what the answer is when Austin Corbett is hurt. Hopefully he can come back as soon as possible. And Bradley Bozeman, while we all love him, he's a good run blocker. Pass protection has not been good. We saw that in the preseason. So when you are not able to step up into the pocket, Wes, then that's going to hurt a short QB, especially when you got all these hands and big men running after you in your face. Like, what are you going to do? You're going to throw a lot of shorter passes to Adam Thielen. Hopefully he can provide the yak. You're going to throw to the wide receiver screens to Terrace Marshall maybe one week, nine out of ten times. It's going to be very close to the line of scrimmage. And there's only so much creativity I think you can have if that's what you're working with. Play calling, as Mike from Concord put, uh, points out on the text line, it's not like better play calling is going to lead to a lot of wins, in my opinion. I don't know how much we were questioning the play calling when Andy Dalton was at QB against Seattle. Even if we wanted them to run a little bit more, I thought game script kind of dictated them throwing the football a little more. 
and you had 350 yards of offense. Frank Reich, even if he hasn't been a great play caller this season, he does have evidence of having success in the past. And so it, I just can't wrap my brain around Frank Reich being an abysmal of an offensive mind. And now that we're going to bring this to Thomas Brown, he's going to be able to figure it out. All that to say, no, I don't think he's necessarily set up for success because of all the problems they have on offense. And so, too, when you look at this thing and the pocket time that Bryce Young has, he has an average of 2.5 seconds to throw the football. I mean, that's pretty respectable. He's been sacked 16 times, knocked down 17 times, hurried 16 and blitzed 40 times. And so when you look at this offense and the, I guess, the possibilities that this offensive line doesn't afford you, even though he has okay time to throw, but it's like, what do we feel like that he can do that maybe Frank Reich cannot? Like, is he going to come in and implement maybe more misdirection? Is he going to maybe, we know the Rams are famous for bunch sets and the the concepts and getting guys open, scheming guys open like he does so often to a guy like Cooper Cup to where you watch the Rams and you would say, how is Cooper Cup so open all the time? And he's able to do that. We see what they're doing with Puka as well and how he's been able to assimilate himself in that system. So when you look at this team, and and I just keep going back to that word, collaborate. And when you talk about how they collaborate, what do we feel like that Thomas Brown's going to be able to do that Frank Wright cannot? Because I feel like that it would just seem very odd to me if Thomas Brown had this whole other stash of plays that he's been waiting to unleashed upon the world just sitting over there waiting until his day came and so I guess that's the question that you have to ask yourself is like what is he going to be able to do that that Frank Reich couldn't what was the discussion when they decided to make this move where Frank Reich said listen I'm having a hard time with this thing I'm not doing a good job let's put Thomas in and give him the chance because he can do blank I think you're going to see guys be put in motion a little more And I don't think it's any coincidence that among the best offenses in the league, you see those guys in motion quite a bit. In fact, Blaine Grizak put out a graphic on Twitter of all of the offenses in the NFL and where they rank as far as putting guys in pre-snap motion. Miami was number one, which even if you watch the game last night, they do it all the time. Like Tyreek Hill getting a running start. They're tied in to go to a lead block. Miami, number one and by a lot. The Rams are second which Thomas Brown comes from that way of thinking with Sean McVay, who's third, San Francisco, who's fourth, Detroit. Are those the best offenses in the league? Well, yeah. And it, <laughs> so yeah. I, I hope that Thomas Brown, it doesn't mean as long as we have guys moving behind the line of scrimmage and we bring you a little more eye candy, it's spooky season, trick or treat. Yeah. Now we're going to be top four. I'm not saying it's that. What I am telling you is if all these teams, despite having better personnel too, are doing it, it feels like the copycat league that we give this the give this league the title of. You're hoping that Thomas Brown bites a little off that style and applies it to this team to manufacture open wide receivers. Hopefully that can happen. So if we're asking what we could see differently, maybe Thomas Brown starts to implement a little more pre-snap motion. And for those out there who don't know and they wonder, say, okay, well, what does motion do? And we know a lot of you are smart football fans out there, but there are some fans who may not. And so how does that help if he's doing more motion? Well, it does a couple of things. It's for one going to 
help define the play for Bryce Young. That's the number one thing that you want to do with that motion. Once he goes in motion, is it man, is it zone? Now, we know NFL defenses are very uh, spectacular at being able to dupe you, to fool you. They might give you man pre-snap and zone post-snap. But more times than not, the zone is going to give you a picture of what you're going to see post-snap. And then also, too, the motion can sometimes – we know the NFL is a game of inches. Football is a game of inches. And we know one, you know, not to get into my Tony D'Amato speech from any given Sunday, but one second too slow, you get it. And so then if you can take a linebacker's eyes off of what he should be looking at his keys for a split second to be able to get a guy into a hole in a zone or to be able to do things like that. And so when Walker brings up a stat like that, yeah, that could be very helpful. A lot of the pre-snap motion, the pre-snap eye candy, can help define things for Bryce Young to help him be that much better of a player and to also maybe free up some guys so they can get that one split second to be able to beat their guy to be able to get a play. So if that's what you're going to get from him, that would be fantastic. No, yeah, and and just to be clear too, like Philadelphia, you know where they rank on this list, which is also really good offense. Mm-hmm. They're 31st on this list. Now, what does Philadelphia have well, working for him? The nasty offensive line. The offensive like, line. So you don't. <laughs> you, you're going to have. Okay, we have Devontae Smith on one side, a Heisman-winning wide receiver that was drafted in the first round, and AJ Brown, who I believe has five straight games of 125 plus receiving yards, yeah. tied an NFL record with Megatron. So you have those two guys on the outside, Jalen, and a bright offensive mind too. Seeing that, hey, we. I think last year you would see Philadelphia writers talk about this. They made the offense simple for Jalen Hurts and relied on his accuracy while having great pass protection, running the football a ton. They're going to gain ground. That That's what their offense does. So if you have that personnel, then great. But when we talk about the other offenses with great weapons too, they just add a little bit more into the equation and that gets the defense thinking. It dictates coverages. I think that there are some, there are some NFL analysts that like it because it helps you pick out what coverage is coming your way. Maybe pre-snap motion is a little too much for a rookie QB. And so that might be something that they're trying to simplify. Carolina, at least according to this graphic, ranks 28th from what I can tell. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, maybe that does happen. But I I wonder, with them having perfected it, and you have Matthew Stafford as your quarterback with the Rams, I don't know if you can do the same sort of thing with Thomas Brown or coming over to Carolina and having what is even still a different QB. Like Matthew Stafford arm strength, it's among the best we've seen in a while. You know, when he was coming out, number one, that we know the side angle that he'll throw from. Can you implement that sort of thing with a veteran, with a quarterback that isn't at, doesn't have as strong of an arm, and more importantly, is a rookie playing in his sixth game? Well, I think it's even more advantageous to the young guy because, like I said, it's going to yeah. let him know pre-snap is going to clear up that picture for him. It might not be crystal clear once he snaps the ball. But that's the thing you bring up because that's a lot of what people talked about with Jared Goff early on in his tenure with the Rams and with Sean McVay. They said how they basically spoon-fed him the offense and would try to clearly define his reads for him. Even when you go back and look at a guy like Kaepernick in his early years in San Francisco or different guys like that, you do tend to see a lot of motion because that was the number one way that they said Harbaugh helped Kaepernick early on when he was having all of that success is that he would try to uh, define the play for him pre-snap by what he did with motion. And so I think that if you are able to do that for a guy like Bryce Young, 
it will help a whole lot. So here we are just talking about one facet of the offense. I also wonder just how much play action they're going to utilize because I don't think you see a ton of that with Bryce Young as it stands right now. And so motion, play action, just different wrinkles. It, Miami does both a lot. And it doesn't mean that you're going to be as successful as Miami, but you still, when you go to play action, I think you see a lot of that trying to manufacture yardage with offenses you might not trust as much. So Vikings run a lot of play action. Tampa Bay, under Dave Canales, he runs a lot of play action. The Giants, under Brian Dable, they run a lot of play action. And and so I think Kirk Cousins is different, but like with Baker Mayfield, with Daniel Jones, you know, running a lot of play action, they're trying to manufacture some yardage with guys like with QBs that maybe you don't trust as much. It doesn't mean that we don't trust Bryce Young. It's just hopefully a good way to get this offense and find a way for them to be more productive. Yeah, no doubt about it. And so UNC grad 2001 asked, you know, since I played or whatnot, how does this change to Brown affect the locker room? Uh, that's an interesting question. And so we know that these guys are NFL players. They play for pay and they're going to go out there. They're going to go out there and give it 100%. They're all no matter what. But I know you guys, you know, don't want to hear that out there, text land, some of you. But African-American players, when they have an African-American coordinator, they're going to have that in the back of their mind because they know how tough that those positions are to get. And for him to maybe one day be a head coach in this league to be dubbed as that next wonder kid. So that's definitely going to be in the side of the inside of the thought process of the players on the offensive side of the football is obviously they don't want to let anybody down because if you go out there and you don't play well, you're going to let yourself down because your money's not going to be the same and things of that nature. But those guys still feel like, hey, man, you know, we don't get a lot of uh, African-Americans in this position. So uh, they're going to have that on the back of their minds, too. So to ask what that's going to what that's going to do in the locker room, that's going to be part of the thought process uh, for the players on that offense as well. And then I think, too, they also are going to feel like that this is a fresh start, so to speak, as far as Thomas Brown calling plays and him stepping in uh, as the new guy. So I think it's, it's a mix of a few things. But to let you in on what guys would be thinking, that that's certainly a part of uh, the thoughts of those players. But uh, really quick, I was going to ask you, do you feel like that there will be any personnel changes uh, along with Thomas Brown? Like, is there going to be anybody that we see take a surge with him stepping into that role? Maybe some guys that he's been waiting to unlock the potential of. Without using the trade market, Chuba Hubbard is the first guy that comes to mind. Is Chuba going to be the lead dog in the backfield compared to Miles Sanders because Chuba's just been that much better running the football? That's mm-hmm. the easy one to go to. I don't know where you go to as far as a wide receiver is concerned. Yeah, I, I said I thought Mingo could be a guy that could maybe break out a little bit. I feel like maybe TB. Would love to see it. Yeah, maybe TB could unlock him. But Fiddy, last flash of the day. Uh, let's do it. Fiddy. Two best word in, uh, words in sports, Game 7. You got that tonight in the ALCS. Astros hosting the Rangers. The road team have won all six games so far. And the Rangers are putting their faith and trust in Max Scherzer to clinch them their first AL pennant since 2012. The same pitcher that gave up five runs in less than three innings of work. I think it was in Game 4, the game that he started NLCS game six, the Phillies back at home, chance to clinch their second straight 
NL pennant. Kyle Schwarber now owns the record for most home runs in the NLCS after what he's done uh, so far this postseason. So uh, we're getting closer and closer to the start of the World Series. I think both pennants will be clinched tonight with the Phillies winning the NL and the Astros winning the AL. I would agree with them. I think so. I mean, I think Houston, they definitely had a letdown last night, but I feel like that they're the better team. I think they get it done. And then the Phillies just seem to be a team of destiny at this point. Yeah, what a great series, by the way, that we have in both of these. And and Phillies could have already taken care of business had we not seen the Craig Kimbrell meltdown a couple of games ago. And how weird is it to hear that? When he was suiting up for the Braves all those years ago and has even had Cy Young-worthy award seasons with a couple of the stops that he's made, you feel good when Craig Kimbrell takes the mound but against the Arizona Diamondbacks allowing them to come back what was it Fitty was it 5-2 lead yeah 5-2 they, they end up losing Woo. they end up losing 6-5 and then the Rangers they could have wrapped it up too did, did y'all see game 5 where they pitched Altuve you know 2-1 nobody out he hits a 3 run bomb I know the math tells you not to walk him I'm walking him make somebody else beat me not this 5-2 giant that makes that play <laughs> every single time, man. All right. Well, when we come back, we'll get a little bit more into the baseball discussion and we'll close this thing out on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Final segment of Wesson Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Among the comments that Fiddy has uttered off the airwaves, one included over this past break. Guys, I was so mad. I, I got to tell you, I was afraid to go to sleep on Saturday because I was afraid I was going to dream about the North Carolina loss to Virginia. That's how bad it got for one Josh Fiddy Marlowe. We also <laughs> asked about an album that MC Fiddy would release because as you brought up, a lot of artists will release albums, release songs based off of their pain. Mm-hmm. So I asked the text line, what would MC Fitty release with an, a pain album? Uh, 704 said Mac 10 won the Virginia Chronicle. Uh, <laughs> Horse Show Dad said Deja Vu would be the album. Virginia. Big Cat Dan said like that. Dynamite would be the album. I Maybe because your feelings are explosive about it. Something like that. Daniel from Concord, another one bites the dust. Panther Bow, straight out of Monroe, Lil Country's version. Okay, I like that. <laughs> and 980, the Tar Heel Blues. Now, I don't know if he meant to spell H-E-A-L, Heel Blues, trying to heal based off of this process. And then 980 also made a very astute observation. Fiddy out here playing his feelings with music today. We won't get fooled again. You play that from the who into believing in a Mac Brown, you know, all right, we're not going to get fooled again with this North Carolina football team. Tell me the truth. Were you dynamic enough to play that on purpose? How we won't get fooled again. I wish I could. I play my music in a certain order. That was just the song that was next in the rotation. Cause I'm playing my music this week. Cause I, you know, I go, we all have a, we all have a music folder where you have a music, you have a music folder. Wes has one. It's awful. Sure of himself. You huh? know, no, I'm right. playing my music. I, I was, I was back. <laughs> I was back in my folder today and that was, that was the next song that came up. But you know, it's not inaccurate, man, because that it's not an accurate man. What no, did you say? The, what they said was not inaccurate, not inaccurate because man, there's just, 
When 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 you live and die with a team, and I live and die with UNC. You usually don't with football, though. And yeah, you I usually don't. But you know, because of Drake May, man, it's been different. I've been in that stadium to watch them lose to Georgia Tech and Virginia in less than a year. You know how heartbreaking that is. This one was heartbreaking. I'm not even going to hate on you for this one. Yeah, I, I know Georgia Tech too. Having a couple losses that you've suffered, I get it. This one is particularly bad. You know, look, I'm not one with the with the foul language. Saturday was was all time bad. I'm sure it was. There were some things that I that I said publicly that I that I was ashamed of. I believe the second half of that statement. I do not believe the first part <laughs> where you're not one that has bad language. Uh, speaking of fears, I did want to tell the story real quickly. So I had a new fear unlocked for me over the weekend, and I didn't get to it in getting off the bus. But let me tell you, I have a new fear of yellow jackets and drinking beer surrounding yellow jackets. Mm. So I don't know if anybody has this experience uh, experience going up to Lake Wanaluska. Don't know if anybody has that, but lots of yellow jackets surrounding that area, like a ton to the point where we really couldn't even go outside at some points because there were so many. Now it's cold. They're not real fast. I think it does slow their aggression, but these guys are vicious little monsters. And so when I went out there, I had a beer in hand. They're attracted to the sugar. They're attracted to whatever is, you know, in the drink that you have at that point. Some people were drinking seltzers. Some people were drinking soda. Some people were drinking beer, whatever. It's attracted to whatever you have in your hand. So we all go back inside, and I think I'm safe. And yeah, it happened, Wes. I took a drink of my beer, and there was a yellow jacket in there. Oh! And how I know there was a yellow jacket in there is because as I was drinking it, it stung me at the back of my mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> so, pain, instantly, I cough it up in front of somebody who I'm having a conversation with, and out comes the yellow jacket, still surviving, hurt, but still surviving, crawling on the floor. And you talk about putting a damper in the mood where everybody mm. just had to take a little break from drinking. Certainly happened to me. Certainly happened to a lot of other people. I had to go to the bedroom, chill for a little bit. It hurt. It was like I had this dry area in the back of my th in the back mm. of my mouth. Like I couldn't drink anything. Man, it was off. I'll be soft on that. But a new fear unlocked. I know they were surrounded. It. I checked outside. I was making sure. But once I got inside, it was still in there, and it hurt me pretty bad. I was like, Am I going to be able to do the show Monday? I was panicking. I was. I was like, wait, what's going to happen to me once I have to hop back onto the mic? Luckily, it was over within a few hours, and I I don't know if I overreacted, but I was certainly scared at the time. Didn't your mom ever tell you to watch out uh, where you put your drink down at? Um, I guess not. <laughs> did you get, did you, what'd you do? You try to get some Benadryl or something like that? Like, would you? I was a little worried. I definitely took some Benadryl to make sure that I was getting rid of any allergic reaction, and then I just had to lay down. What for a happened? Bit. Did you just like violently like jerk as soon as you felt this thing in the back of your neck? Um, no, but I realized, oh wait, there, I, there shouldn't be any pain surrounding this, <laughs> and so yeah, that's how it happened. Man, I'm sorry for you. That, that I appreciate that, it. New fear. I'm gonna be checking a lot more, and yeah. no, I'm not allergic. If I would have been allergic, then I would have had a hospital experience to tell you. Yeah, it's a bad place to get stung if you're allergic. All right, mm. that'll do it. That'll do it for an angry Josh Fitty Marlowe. Maybe that won't do it. I'm sure he'll be angry the rest of the week, but at least we got over the initial outburst there. For Wes Bryant, I'm Walker Mail. Thanks for making us your 
12 to 3. Listen today. We will hand off the baton to Kyle Bailey alongside Smoke. Well, howdy there, y'all. Kyle Bailey here. There he is. You can continue to listen to his voice right here on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.